0: Have you ever found yourself in the middle of a situation where doing the right thing would cost you everything? Today's podcast guest is my podcasting friend, Amy Fritz, and she talks about how her husband's job ended when he did the right thing, when he was kind of a whistleblower in an organization that is well known for teaching Christian principles. So she talks about her journey now on her own podcast and she interviews other people who have been through spiritual abuse. And today we're gonna talk about her story. Maybe you'll resonate with something in her story or maybe you'll pick up tools that you will use in how you relate to someone else. Amy has repurposed her own hardship into something that will help others heal and find a new path to peace. This is about learning how to untangle our faith from all that is not good and all that is not true, and finding what's real. You're listening to Life Repurposed, where you'll find practical biblical wisdom for everyday living, creative inspiration, and helpful resources grow your faith, improve your relationships, discover your purpose, and reach your goals with topics to encourage you to find hope amid the trashy stuff of life. Thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. I'd like to introduce you to Amy Fritz. She's the host of the Untangled Faith podcast, where she hopes to help encourage people who have been hurt in their faith communities. She's a Minnesota native who relocated to Nashville for her husband's dream job that ended up breaking their hearts and teaching them a lot of the problems behind the curtain in some Christian organizations. Amy and I start off by chatting a little bit about what we would do in a day off, and then we get into the real heart of the conversation. So let's jump right in. Amy, thank you for joining me today. It's so good to be here. I'm excited to chat with you, Michelle. Today, we're going to be talking quite a bit about your podcast as we go, mm-hmm. just because I've listened to episodes. I love the topic, but I also really want to talk about your story. Before we get into that, I want you to imagine you have an unexpected free day on your calendar, oh, no! which probably doesn't happen <laughs> very often. What do you do for fun? I am not
1: exciting. I love to read. I like... I read too much nonfiction. What I really need is to lose myself in fiction. And Mm. I do have a book waiting for me at the library. That is a good summer fiction read. So, and because I am an introvert, I love to just get in the car and leave, like just drive Mm. somewhere and listen to podcasts podcast. Um, it's like my little sensory deprivation car chamber like away yeah. from my kids listening to things or needing things. My kids are all teenagers, but still oh, I just yeah. love to leave the house.
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> we could if, if we weren't both introverts, we could spend a day together yes! <laughs> but because I love to do that. I will get a coffee mm-hmm. somewhere go stop at a garden center and wander around and drive some more. Yes, I love that. Or if now that yeah, I'm an empty nester, so now it's the hammock with a book. That oh that sounds lovely. I would love that. I would love to set up one next to you and we could read side by side. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Just have our coffee and yeah, I'd love it. And talk when we think when we feel like it. We'll have to I'll have to fly to Nashville and make that happen. Yes, but it's not like blazing <laughs> hot out. I'd love to know a little bit about your faith story because we know each other through the Christian Podcasters Association. And for people listening, I will link to that in the show notes because we'd both love to have you join us. We do. Yeah, it's such a great community. We don't really get deep into our own stories in there. So I'd love to know a little bit about your faith story. You know, there's always a long version and a short
1: version. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I would say... You know, I had just a a lovely one of those really lovely stereotypical Christian homes I grew up in where my parents were happily married to each other, two kids, a boy and a girl, (laughs) two years apart. (laughs) My brother was two years older than me. Um, They became believers shortly before I was born. And so I had the benefit of joining a family that was new to faith and, and really hungry to learn about the Lord. And so it was a very natural part of my growing up to get to hear about Jesus and to be introduced to him and say, Hey, I want that. It was probably a, I'm pretty sure it was, why can't I have communion?
0: How come everybody else is having <laughs>
1: communion and having that conversation and being like, Oh, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. And I was relatively young, um, grew up we had a christian school at our our um, church that was sort of connected with it that we attended that i attended and then i went to bible college so i had a lot of like christian bible learning as i was growing up and some really wonderful things also a bit of legalism uh, a bit of extra things that i have had to like be like okay no that really isn't in the bible (laughs) like these certain rules and like dress code issues and just the way that it's really hard to make rules about someone's heart, right? It's just people mm. do the best that they can do with what they have, but, uh, you know, it, it's a person's heart. Isn't something that you can like make a, a rule about at a Christian school
0: right. you Can only make
1: a rule about something that's outward. And so, um, I would say my young adult years was like sort of sorting through, okay, what's real, what's necessary, what's actually a part of the Christian faith and what isn't. I would say one of the most pivotal things that happened was I was, we had two of our kids were, you know, born. Our youngest was about a year old, which meant that our oldest was like two and a half. So they're like 16 months apart. And the youngest was about a year old. And my mom passed away really suddenly. She had like, there was no warning except for a headache. And while we were waiting for her MRI results, she had a massive bleeding in her brain and passed mm-hmm. away. Like we were sitting, getting the results from her doctor in the waiting area at the hospital. When we heard a code call and we didn't know who it was. So when we were done hearing from the doctor that they're like, oh, we're going to move her to ICU. We feel like there's some bleeding happening. We want to keep an eye on her. We stopped talking. My dad says we should pray for that person that's in trouble. And so we prayed and then we decided to go check on my mom and we walked mm-hmm. down the hall, turned the corner. Everybody that we had just seen run down the hall was standing outside of her room. And, you know, I, I stood next to my dad and watched, listened to him pray, begging God for a miracle. You know, we all did. And God did not choose to do a miracle that we wanted. You know, she was 58. I was 31 and I was not ready to lose my mom. And that God. sort of thing rocks your world. Like I was like, okay, God, I have some thoughts about this. I understand the world isn't perfect. I don't like this, but because this happened to me, I feel like I should have a pass on all the other things. <laughs> <laughs> I've experienced the hard things now, God, and I don't want to have to deal with any more crap. Um, so that was that was really like it really jump started me into thinking about like what's real and what isn't, um, seeing that the Lord walks with those they're suffering. You know, Mm -hmm. Jesus, I I mentioned, I don't know if you have read any work by Dr. Diane Langberg, but she is very well known in the like religious trauma world. She has been a therapist for, I think five decades. And she wrote a book recently called Redeeming Power. I had a chance to meet her a few weeks ago. And I mentioned the whole thing about wanting a pass. And she's like, (laughs) you know, even Jesus didn't get a pass, God's own son. And you know what like a way of shocking you back into reality like god's own son didn't even get a pass on these hard things and so yeah, it was during that season where i was like all right i am gonna see if this is real or not and um we had some struggle like it was just a hard time my with my mom passing away and then I, we had another baby Um, My husband's job was sort of changing. We were frustrated. We were in a small, tiny, little rural town. We wanted to be out of there so badly. I just was, I felt stuck. Um, And my husband found a job. Well, I found a job that sounded like a really great opportunity for him. Um, It was a web developer position and working for Dave Ramsey. And we were like, this is awesome. Like they are a for-profit company. You can make money. Cause he had worked, been working at a small Christian college where, you know, you don't make hardly anything, <laughs> you know, we were kind of able to pay our bills, but we were just in a really discouraging times so are we like, this is our chance. And so he went through the process and he got hired and we were so, it was, it was really cool to see how he made it through all these different interviews, um, Portions of the process and that he was then able to go from being really discouraged in his job to being able to do something that he loved being able to do web development was a dream come true. And he got to be sitting next to people that were a part of a mission that he was really excited about. And so the way God worked that out for us and brought us out of like feeling like we were stuck in this place Mm -hmm. to my husband being able to really flourish and learn and grow with some great people and for us to be in a town where a lot of people were moving. A lot of people moved to this area, middle Tennessee. So you had to move quite a ways for the job. Yeah. We moved from Minnesota, which, you know, we, we moved from a rural, you know, like an hour West of like Minneapolis, which had a really, it was a really tiny town, Winstead, Minnesota, only really known for like music festivals. <laughs> I, I don't like, were there even a thousand people in the town? I don't even know. <laughs> It was very small. Most people grew up there. I mean, there wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of people like moving in to moving to Franklin, Tennessee, a suburb, much more suburban than where we mm-hmm. were in this rural town where like I had a Target and a Walmart <laughs> and, like five grocery stores and all the things and all the people and a bunch of people that were hungry for relationship because many had relocated. And so it was a really easy experience to get connected to people. Yeah. And we and it was such a great thing for us for many years my husband's job there until it really ended in a really painful mm. time which was another wake up call about our faith and what we really believed and um really shook us the way that it all ended in the, at the end there.
0: So you made new friendships, you found a new church, had you really had strong spiritual connections there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had, before we moved, we had tr- tried out a new church. Uh, there just so many things were up in the air, but when we've moved to Franklin, we were able to get connected in a church that we felt really good about. Um, and it was, it was a good place for us for a while until it wasn't mm-hmm. how sometimes that works. And that was hard. Um, we found out our pastor had been plagiarizing like mm. all of, every word of every sermon, basically that he had preached And kind of reckoning with that and realizing the leadership, it wasn't a slam dunk uh, decision for them of what to do with him. And I was like, how, why, Mm -hmm. (laughs) how could this have been such a struggle for you to figure out what to Mm do with somebody that was so deceitful, you know, working through that. We found a new new church home that was good for us. Um, And actually we're at another church home now because, you know, life has just changes a lot. Sometimes you outgrow different places, but we're currently attending a Presbyterian church, which is a whole new experience for us, which is very different than what we kind of grew up with. So, but it's been a, a good, a good change for us. Yeah.
0: I'm hearing your story and, and hearing a couple of places where you've come to a faith crossroads. I mean, the one you just yes. described with your church is one, but then prior yeah. to that, you talked about your husband's job ending in a bad mm-hmm. way and he's working for a company that claims to be faith-based, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was really it was really more than a tiny road bump.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> what did that do to your faith?
1: Yeah. Um I think what what really happened there was, you know, we hit a point where we were faced with seeing that things weren't what we thought they were. And the righteous living that they profess to be all about, they were sort of fudging and covering for certain people that were not living that way. You know, they're one of their highest profile personality speakers. Uh, You know, we found evidence that he was cheating on his spouse. And when you see something that doesn't fit with what you thought to be true, you have to figure out a way to reckon with that. Mm -hmm. And for us initially, what it meant was praying our hearts out just because we didn't know what to do about it. Mm -hmm. And we knew that the stakes were really high. Um, They were high if we got it wrong, because you're not, you don't want to like wrongfully Mm -hmm. accuse somebody of something so humongous. And so we actually spent like uh, December, January, February, March, and part of April, praying, journaling, talking, my husband and I talking to each other, lots of walks around the neighborhood. I don't, if for those of you that listen that are married, there's something magical that can happen when you can go for a walk with your spouse (laughs) and you can kind of work things out as you go for a walk. And I remember just pacing my room, listening to worship music and praying for wisdom from God until, you know, he moved some things that sort of forced the issue and, my husband ended up in a meeting with some board members where they were like, we know you have some concerns. And it was pretty clear that they were covering Mm. for this person. And they told Nathan, my husband, that he needed to decide if he trusted them, the leadership or not. And if he didn't, they basically said, well, you know what you need to do. And it was like Mm. this horrible feeling you know, we that night of just sitting with each other and thinking, I didn't want to say it. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to say it out loud. I didn't want to be the one to say, even though I think we both knew like what was going to have to happen that. And so I I just said, I don't want to have to do this. I don't want to have to, I don't want you to have to quit. But that was basically the admission that we knew that it was going to have to happen. But the the miracle in this is that, even though we knew it would cost us something, for some reason, with no backup plan at all, my husband was able to walk back into work. And when they checked back in with him, he said, I don't trust you. And he knew he was gonna lose his job. We had no other job. Uh, And he went home And we were like, well, then, you know, we didn't know about what friends we were going to lose. I had a list of friends, you know, as we were working through this, the stakes are so high. Yeah. Like who will still be our friend? And what might we lose? And you don't know until you do it until you make the decision, you know, what is the most important thing? I just talked to um, Kyle, Howard, the other day, he's pretty active in talking about religious trauma and racial issues. And he said he faced a similar situation where he had to choose, you know, his integrity or like his like connections and relationships in like the industry, you know, the evangelical industrial complex, as they say, and that he made the choice to choose his integrity. And his wife said to him, I have never been more Mm. proud of you. And that resonated with me so strongly because I was so proud of my husband. So proud in that moment, we faced some hard things since then. You know, we were lied about, They had a big meeting with all the employees and said terrible Mm. things about my husband. And later on, they went after, they went to like malign my husband to his new employer. When we, when we spoke up about, um, why we, why Nathan left about a year later, I shared the story on my website and we ended up being threatened and having like the CTO from the Ramsey organization set up a meeting with my husband's new boss and, you know, basically maligned him. And it was shocking. Uh, You, the, the sort of, when that sort of thing happens, and these are people that profess to be believers that, you know, that they are doing this, running this business in the name of Christ. And you see something that is so completely opposite. Mm -hmm. You have to make a difference in your mind between what is, what is Christ and what is a culture that ended up, who knows if it started out okay, but ended up somewhere else completely. And is, is difficult as that was, and has continued to be. We, God provided a job for my husband, even though he had another job threatened later on, uh, he provided community for, for us. You know, we sort of found other refugees mm-hmm. in this, like people that had either left the, the organization earlier or shortly after us, where we could really encourage each other and, people that have gone through similar things there's just a really is a really sweet uh community where you would never want someone to have to experience that but it's sure nice to not be alone and and just an understanding a deeper sensitivity to other people that have experienced hurt in religious communities you know faith communities because it's so tied into so much of who who we are it is our faith is It infuses everything that we do, but I being able to learn that this really stinks and it really hurts, but it is not Jesus. This isn't Jesus. This is something else entirely. This is Christian culture that can sometimes be co-opted for, for bad means, because there are people in the world that are corrupted by power and money or whatever it is. Um, not everybody goes to that extreme, but to say, and to be able to just differentiate like, and like some of our systems are unhealthy that we've set up. And I'm really interested to see what our churches, what our Christian organizations are going to look like, even in the next decade. I mm-hmm. feel like there's a reckoning that's happening. There is, yeah. It's painful, but I feel like it's going to lead to something good. People want something real. People want things that are meaningful. Um, and I'm seeing some people leave the church, but I'm also seeing other people say, I think I want to worship God maybe in a different denomination than the one that felt so unhealthy or a different way there's a lot of people that are looking at what is the Anglican church? Like maybe I want something more liturgical. Maybe I want something that is less focused on Mm -hmm. a big personality Mm -hmm. and more focused on taking communion together and like reading common liturgies together where you don't feel like something's weaponized against you or used because somebody wants to raise money for a capital campaign, (laughs) you know, Um, of course, some of that cynicism, sneaks in but i have seen a real hunger in people for something that is real and less of a willingness to accept a showy shallow faith in the end
0: how did you sort that out because i've met people who have completely walked away from their faith because that inconsistency was there and they couldn't see that this isn't jesus these were the people who represented jesus to them from the time they were a child and they've completely walked away. So how did you Mm. stay with Jesus and not become completely disconnected from faith?
1: I, I think some of it was finding some really great resources. I mentioned Dr. Diane Langberg earlier. Um, She, her book, Redeeming Power and any, I had found some videos that she had done early on about narcissism in the church. And I know that doesn't sound like the sort of thing or narcissism and systems it doesn't sound like something that would give somebody hope, but seeing somebody like that, that really loved Jesus and had walked faithfully and just served hurting mm-hmm. people gave me hope. Um, talking to people that work with the hurting, you know, they that, they say that's where they see Jesus. Mm-hmm. They're seeing Jesus in these survivors of the wreckage of some of these places. Um, and I cannot explain it, but, you know, some of it is in that fellowship that of with people that you would not have wanted to be in the club, mm. and people that give you permission to say that aren't freaked out, that are like a, a non anxious presence, as they mm-hmm. as like my therapist would say. You know, if somebody's really struggling with their faith because they've experienced something painful in their church or Christian organization, to have somebody respond that loves mm-hmm. Jesus and is not worried and freaked out about their faith because they're not going to be part of a certain organization, Mm -hmm. I think is really helpful when we, if, because somebody, somebody did that for me, somebody re um, supported the idea that you can love Jesus and unsubscribe from the things that aren't him. And it might mean unsubscribing from a certain church. It might mean worshiping differently for a while. It might mean not being in the building for a little while and finding community elsewhere. I know that sounds crazy and painful in some ways. <laughs> and, you know, cause you, we, we do absolutely need community. So I'm not saying detach from everybody, but there are lots of ways to find community. And I would argue that the way that our modern, especially American evangelical church systems are set up, aren't necessarily reflective of what we see, like in the new Testament, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not <laughs> some of it's very American mm-hmm. culture based. And to say that that is not serving your faith is not walking away mm-hmm. from Jesus. It's not the same thing. And I know some people, some people do, but I just hold on to hope and say, you know what? Jesus is hanging on to mm-hmm. them even through that hard, really dark time. And just to, I think the more that somebody has allowed me space to
0: grieve, the easier Mm -hmm. it's been to heal and not to throw it all out. I think that's, you know, I'm I'm now willing to have conversations with anybody who wants to talk about any questions yeah. they have. But that wasn't who I was before. I fell right into yeah. it before. I was the Pharisee who would... Mm, I was that person you, myself. Just like, yeah. dis- I have to disconnect with you because you have abandoned your faith. Therefore, you know, it was like almost mm-hmm. like this Amish um, shunning. Like, you're no... Mm-hmm. And instead, it, it sounds like you've discovered the path of reconciliation and grace and mm-hmm. all the things that... Yeah jesus represents well and i it's
1: it's this long journey Mm -hmm. and i'm hoping i'm closer to seeing and understanding than i was before you know the new testament there's a verse that says you know we see through a glass darkly Mm -hmm. and that means that there are things we just don't know and don't understand now if we believe that to be the case if we believe the scripture and so as i have grown in my faith And I get this impression from you as well, that I am more comfortable with the questions. Yes. And I feel, I I feel less anxious when someone else has them. Yes. And I feel less like I need to defend something or have the right answers. Yes. I'm, I'm much more, much more comfortable saying, I really believe this to be the case, but I could be wrong and I'm okay with it. I'm going to hold it with an open hand. Like, I hold really firmly to like the creeds, like the Nicene Creed, Jesus, you know, God exists. uh, You know, his son came to save us, died for us. He rose again to forgive our sins. Like these things are non-negotiables. There's so many other things that we don't know for sure. And following an almighty God who can do anything means we have to allow for him. (laughs) we have to allow for mystery. Yes. And and there's a part of our brain that doesn't want that, but there's also a part of me that's just has this sigh of relief that it's not up to me to know all the answers. And it never really was. Like if I, if I don't get it right, I don't fail the Mm -hmm. test. If I don't understand God perfectly, it only makes Mm -hmm. sense. (laughs) Who does? There are things we don't know. There's things he hasn't revealed to us. And that has helped my faith. Um, Reading, I read Under the Unpredictable Plant by Eugene Peterson. Um, That has been another thing that's been helpful for my faith to like, somebody had mentioned reading dead people. (laughs) Wait till somebody is dead. Then you'll know if they like were faithful all the way through, right? But he talks about can't tarnish. They're not going to let me down. Right. and maybe wait a few more years just to make sure we know all that we need to know. Um, but you know, everyone's going to, everyone's imperfect. People are going to let us down, but he, that book just gave such a picture of what it looked like to be a a pastor. And it was, he, it was, he talked about Nineveh and Jonah, you know, running away from Nineveh, uh, because he was running towards a thing that was, that he really wanted to be when and he talked about how there is that pull for pastors to kind of to go away from Nineveh where we should be mm-hmm. planting our feet there doing the faithful work and that it really is about it's not about fancy buildings it's about building those relationships and helping point people to Jesus all the other stuff is extra and often frankly can get in the way right yeah um, he told some really funny stories about when he was church planting and how he was required to do some reports you have I'll to, read have to the check book. it out <laughs> and at a certain point he figured out they probably weren't reading their reports like on one side he was supposed to report like numbers like Mm -hmm. attending giving all stuff and then the other side like other notes and so we started just putting the most bizarre things on there to see if they were paying attention like saying that he was doing drugs (laughs) and including it in the like eucharist and that he was having an affair and like and then he called them on it like i don't think you read it and they're like yeah we did and he's like well what did you think of my affair (laughs) (laughs) what did you think of me doing drugs? And they're like, "Uh, I mean, it just shows sometimes we measure the wrong things. We pay attention to the wrong things. Mm -hmm. And just reading, reading his work, Eugene Peterson has been a real encouragement. And I wouldn't have thought of that. It was another person that I had talked to that was like, this person is a pastor is kind of being a pastor to me, even though I'm not going to meet him Mm -hmm. in real life. And I was like, I'm going to get that book. What's one book I should get? And he recommended Under the Unpredictable Plans.
0: I will link to that in the show notes. I have read it several times. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by the book and Bible study called The Repurposed and Upcycled Life, When God Turns Trash to Treasure. Are there experiences you'd rather toss in the dumpster? Discover the repurposed and upcycled life. This Christian Living in Humor book and accompanying Bible study will help you see how some of your greatest disappointments, mistakes, and hurts can be beautiful treasures from God. Move forward with new purpose even in the midst of the trashy stuff of life. The workbook includes small group discussion, Bible study, doodles to color, and optional at-home applications each week. This is a study for busy women with easy prep for leaders and very little homework for participants. This simple format is welcome for busy women who are looking for deeper relationships with one another without the burden of extra homework. You'll find more about the best-selling book, The Repurposed and Upcycled Life, When God Turns Trash to Treasure, at michellerayburn.com. Something that happens sometimes when there's this disillusionment spiritually that happens in an organization, in a Christian church, is that we get angry and then we find other people who are also angry and Mm. then we just sit in the anger. And you've Hmm. gone beyond, like you've found people, but you've gone beyond to solutions and i love that you've done that with your podcast because you are you've set out to help people who have been spiritually abused and not in a way of let's just sit around and and bash the people who abused us i mean (laughs) not that they don't deserve the words that are said but you've figured out how to take next steps and move beyond so how did your podcast come about first um it's untangled faith Uh, how did that come about um, thank you, first of all, for saying such kind words about it. I have to say,
1: I still have anger, I still have some anger days, but um, I think I realized pretty early on that I wanted to be about something that I was for more than about creating something that I was against. Um, and I don't know if that does, yes, yeah. like I didn't just want to talk about the negative, like this is what we're fighting, yeah. I also want to talk about what we're like fighting mm-hmm. for, which is like healthy communities, healthy people, um, pointing people towards encouraging resources. So I have always been interested in the topic of spiritual abuse. And I don't know why God put that on my heart. Um, I had started writing a little bit about that on like a blog. And at a certain point, I realized that it was just too close to what I was seeing happening in my husband's work. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't see it. I didn't want to see it. And I just sort of walked away from it for a little while because it was too painful for me to see. Uh, The cognitive dissonance was Mm -hmm. too much. And so um, reading the books and writing about it and following the things was going to make us see something I didn't wanna Mm -hmm. see. And so I sort of turned away from that for a little while until after my husband left his job. And I'm like, I, I think I, I, I know why I wasn't able to enter into this. And I started thinking about how do I want to write? What I've always loved words. And there's, there's a, you know, if you do a Venn diagram of writers, podcasters, there's, there's overlap. Right. We love words. <laughs> we love communicating. But one way I hadn't tried was with my voice. Mm. And I thought, well, people are doing podcasts. I'm just going to try it out. I know I have a technically savvy husband. If I have any questions, he can help me. He can set it up for me. He can make sure it's working. But then I just dug in. I taught myself. Uh, I decided, you know, this is a topic I've been passionate about. Let's see what happens if I do podcasts. Of course, my guinea pigs, first people you talk to are your friends. So I interviewed a friend early on. And somehow I felt uh, comfortable enough to like reach out to Mary Demuth. She was the first person I interviewed that wasn't like a friend
0: that I knew in real life. And she was so gracious. You interview people, but then you have some additional commentary in between. So Yeah, yeah, I have, I, that's one
1: thing that I have decided to do with it. That is a little bit different than some people. It's not just an, I never really set out to do an interview show. Um, it has mostly turned into a lot of interviews, but sometimes I want to follow a theme. Mm-hmm. And so, but I also want people to learn something mm-hmm. to take away with them. And so that is one of the fun magic things about podcasting is that as a podcaster, I can like pause time mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can step out of the story and then I can do a voiceover that mm-hmm. says, here's some things that have happened that you know we haven't been able to get into You know, or I can decide, do I want to do a voiceover here or do I just want them to say it? Or did we miss something? Do I need to clarify something? Or do I need to share something else that I have learned that I want to say, hey, do you see this is what's happening here in this situation? You might not know it, but, you know, this expert or, you know, Mm -hmm. this sort of thing. And it's really been fun. I, you know, to, to like, that's sort of the bow that gets tied on at the end when I'm like, I think I have all the audio. Now, I want to like land the plane.
0: You've told some really good stories. You featured guests that have talked about all the many versions of disillusionment, spiritual abuse, deconstructing faith, healing, and you've balanced it out. So, listener, I'm encouraging you to check out Amy's podcast too. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: My point is not to discourage mm-hmm. people, but to tell people that you aren't alone and you aren't crazy if you're feeling like something is off because there are some things it's been a hard, it has been a really particularly rough season for our faith communities in the last, you know, four years and, and even more than that, you know, with all the things happening in the world that have just heightened tensions, our churches have not been immune to that. And it has really sort of escalated some of the unhealthy things that were already there, you know, just sort of brought them to the surface you know some days i'm like burn it down <laughs> <laughs> and other days i'm like okay maybe just burn this one thing down mm. and and let's see what let's see what grows let's see what stays let's see what's worth saving um and i think jesus decides what that is we're, we're gonna see that we'll, we'll see what that is um and you know I would imagine most of your listeners are probably in the US. You know, we're very US focused, we're very like the world revolves mm-hmm. around us because the US has been such a strong cultural influence and uh, financial superpower, all the things is completely true. But when it comes to the church and Christianity, it is much bigger. Mm-hmm. And so, to sort of, you know, make our imagination be a little bigger about what, what is God doing in the world? And maybe the leaders in that will come from a different part of the world. It won't be from like Minneapolis (laughs) and it won't be from Nashville, maybe.
0: For people who have something come here's an example. Um, I've heard Mm -hmm. stories from women who are experiencing um, narcissism and emotional abuse in their homes and they go to church leadership, but their husband is an elder and so nobody wants to listen to their story because this Mm. elder here couldn't possibly be doing the things you're saying he is. And so they don't, they just shrink back and they don't tell their story. And for those of us who know that there are people like that, I'm encouraging us to be more open to listening to people's Mm -hmm. stories. But what do you say to the person who's tangled up in something that claims to be Christian but is abusive? What encouragement do you have for that person who's listening today? Man, that, that is, that's a hard one. That is, that's really hard. I would say a
1: lot of people in that situation don't even haven't even named it themselves Mm -hmm. as, as abuse because it's so painful to even see it because what does that even mean? Um, And the reason why it's confusing and the reason why it's effective is because it's not bad all the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Nobody it, nobody would get away with it if it was all, if if an abusive person or abusive place was bad 100% of the time. Um, so it makes sense that their brain feels scrambled, that they feel crazy, and that other people don't understand. People, if If people have not lived through it, it makes sense that they don't get it. But there are some really wonderful, safe resources out there that love Jesus. You don't have to trade your faith for, you don't have to trade your safety for your faith. You don't have to trade your emotional well-being for your faith. And I would say um, there are some wonderful, you know, domestic violence places that may not be connected to your church. And it is okay. And you will find Jesus and help, not necessarily in your church. Mm. You can, you can look somewhere else too. There's some really wonderful resources out there. Like Leslie Vernick has some resources about uh, marriage and abuse and she loves Jesus, but she's speaking out really strongly about abuse. People like Rachel Hollander, who as uh, another example of, you don't have to give a pass to hard things, to things that are really painful, just because you're afraid that it might rock the boat in a faith community. And I would encourage what I really wanna do instead of talk to the woman who's really hurting and stuck as I wanna talk to all the other women and men and say, just because this isn't happening to you doesn't mean you don't have a responsibility to know about what it looks like. And I would say one of the best gifts you can do to create healthy, safe environments is not to wait until someone comes to you and says, I'm in an abusive marriage, I think, or I think something's wrong. Is a better thing would be to be proactive in learning what that looks like. Mm. What does it look like when somebody is in an unsafe environment? And what can we do to be the place where somebody comes, they can get help and not be turned away and not be gaslit. Yeah. And not be told, well, I don't see any bruises. So you know, it must be. Mm-hmm you know, or to give like unsafe advice because we just don't know better. We don't. Yeah. We don't, you know, to know that, like saying just to pray about it and to go to couples counseling when somebody is in an abusive environment, maybe they don't even know they are, is really dangerous. And most of us didn't know that going, growing up in the church, we thought couples counseling is the answer (laughs) to all marriage problems and people that are experts in abusive situations would say, no, no you, you get to, you need your own person that you talk to. And yeah, it's hard. I wish I wish. And then just to understand that abuse is abuse. Mm -hmm. Like there are similarities. It's not all the same, but domestic violence looks a lot like spiritual abuse, which looks a lot like other kinds of like emotional abuse and all the things there are, there are, there are some similarities. Um, unfortunately, like a playbook. But.
0: yeah, that's why I'm tying that in here because what Nathan went through with gaslighting at work spills mm-hmm. over into the church and into the family. And mm-hmm. so this yeah. is a broader topic than just yeah. what can happen in a workplace. And so that's why I wanted to bring mm-hmm. that up today.
1: Yeah, there's two other resources, I think your readers, your, your readers, your your listeners. Could could read and one is a book called um, Something's Not Right by Wade Mullen, who is an expert in he did his Ph.D. dissertation in image management that Christian organizations do when they're faced with an image threatening event. Mm. It that is, sounds good. <laughs> it it is amazing and it sounds like it would be a hard book to read. No, it is super easy to read. Uh, I highly recommend it. And another one is called A Church Called. Tove, oh, yes, by Scott McKnight and his daughter Laura Barringer, and it talks about creating a goodness culture in a church. Both of those resources, mm-hmm. I would want to put on the shelves of every church and on the leadership in the in the libraries of leadership of faith communities all over the world. If I could afford <laughs> to send them to everyone, I would.
0: But just hand them out like. Yeah, you have mentioned many great resources today. Yeah. Where can people find you online? Thank you. Um, so I do have a website, um,
1: untangledfaithpodcast.com is my website. And then i my podcast is, you know, the Untangled Faith podcast. So if you look for Untangled Faith on any of your favorite podcast listening platforms, you should be able to find it. And I'm just showing up there mostly weekly. I'm on a little bit of a break right now and I'll be back having new episodes starting in July. The best part about doing it is being able to meet people, interact with people that are listening Mm -hmm. and seeing how they are meeting each other and encouraging each other. And then, you know, being able to even meet some of them Mm -hmm. in person. It feels (laughs) like a reunion. It's just a really sweet community. There is a sweet community of like, spiritual abuse survivors on, on Twitter and in other places that people have found each other and have really become friends. And, you know, who said you couldn't make friends online? (laughs) We're
0: we're meeting friends on, you know, we're meeting friends on the internet all all the time time now. And you're in my earbuds when I'm at the track walking, I'm listening to your voice. That's so sweet. So it's like we're together, but we're not together.
1: (laughs) It does this crazy thing. Then when you talk to people is that you could just kind of skip past small talk. Yeah. <laughs> you feel like you know yeah. each other a little bit, especially like if I've been telling someone's story on the podcast and they've been on several episodes, like they're my friend now.
0: We're, we're friends. We know each other. <laughs> Amy, is there anything that we haven't covered today that you want to leave with the listeners as we wrap up? I, I guess I just want to remind people that
1: if you are feeling discouraged, it doesn't mean that Christianity isn't the real deal. It doesn't mean Jesus isn't the real deal and you aren't alone. There's just a lot of things to be discouraged about, but there are, there are pockets of goodness and they may be somewhere non-traditional somewhere, somewhere different than you've been looking.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your story and encouraging other people who need hope. Thank you for inviting me. I want Let's do this again. Over coffee. <laughs> yeah. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com to get the show notes for this episode. Each week, I share links to everything mentioned in the episode, graphics you can share, and guest quotes. I also invite you to join the Life Repurposed Facebook community for weekly conversation with others on the journey of discovering the repurposed life. Before you go, which friend needs to hear this episode? Share a link with a note to invite them to listen.